Hello, all you reinventors out there. It's Leslie Jane Seymour, and I am excited to bring to you Linda Pinsky Morrow and her story about, you know, she wanted to be in the fashion business when she grew up, and that's, she started at the bottom, she worked her way up, she was went to FIT, she and started in showroom sales and dress for dress companies and then fashion forecasting, worked her way up to running a showroom and then opening a uh, showroom for West Coast designers. And she, as she said, she became Carrie Bradshaw in the city, running around the city in her fancy clothes and her fancy shoes, paying her dues. Um, and then she got fired and she had to figure out what she was going to do next and what she wanted to really do. And at that point, she loves, she still loved the fashion industry, but she decided she was going to decollate those skills. And you know, we've talked about that in our various um, pieces that we do on Covey Club and in some of our masterminds um, about how to take the skills that you already have and not look at them as something that gets you the next job, but look at finding a position that makes the most of your skills. And so you decollate those skills and say, what can I do really well that would work in another field? And she decided to take her ability um, to to do finance and to do managing and to do multitasking and people skills and directing people and move it into higher education. And so now what she's doing, she's a COO of the Woodland Park campus for Berkeley College. And um, she loves what she does. And she's just coming back from a furlough um, during COVID. So you know, she has some great inspiration about what to do when you've been furloughed and how not to just sit there while you're furloughed. She talks about planning for maybe not getting asked back because nobody knows what's going to happen. She did get asked back, um, but she had a whole plan. She spent the whole pandemic trying to figure out what was next for her. And I think that's great information and a great way to look at these stumbling blocks that are thrown in front of us, sometimes we have to turn them into an opportunity. So I hope you'll welcome Linda and her very interesting story about being very practical in a very unpractical business and switching over when it was right for her into a different type of career. So welcome, Linda. We're so glad to have you on the podcast. Thank you, Leslie. It's a pleasure to be here. It's always nice to have somebody who survived the fashion business and then went on to do something else that's equally great. So let's talk a little bit about where did you grow up and how did you end up in fashion to start with and why? Okay. Um, I grew up in New Jersey in a in town called Wayne, New Jersey, which is about 18 miles right outside of New York City. So I consider myself a city girl. Um, and ever since I was a young child, I knew that I wanted to go into fashion. Uh, finding a career path for me was not a question. Um, my mother dressed to the nines and uh-huh. we were expected to always look our best. So I was heavily influenced by dressing to um, feel good about myself 
and I decided that I wanted to make a career out of it. So uh, without any question, I applied to colleges pursuing a, a degree in fashion, and I went to FIT in the city um, after attending SUNY Oneonta due to the fact that they had an exchange program with FIT, and I can have the best of both worlds by going away to college in the country and then surviving it in the city and graduating. And so what did you do after that? So after I graduated college, I was um, entry level in many different um, showroom sales. Um, I worked my way through uh, dress companies and I worked my way through um, some fashion forecasting positions. I was actually um, responsible for trend forecasting for a buying office, which was probably the most exciting um, right out of college because I was uh, doing trend forecasting and working with buyers on what they should be purchasing six months to a year out. Uh, I did color forecasting. I was able to travel and do um, trade shows and really put together some amazing trend books so that I could help the buyers decide what trends were in for that upcoming season. And then I remember that. Are there still buyers' offices or they've been all eliminated? Because well, <laughs> I remember yeah. interviewing them. And that was such an exciting job and all the trend prediction. I remember that when I was running I was at Women's Wear. Yeah. So I um they it is a dying breed if you if you would. Um I think I do know that they are they are still out there. Um, especially for you know the, the the retailers that are not based in New York. They rely on you know, the buying offices and the buying services. I think now the trend is more, um, you know, services, of, trend forecasting services that exist, um, but on a larger scale, because now they've transitioned uh, into the web and e-commerce. So these companies are uh, definitely much more advanced, uh, but that back then the days of the, the buying offices are not what they are today, no. So it was definitely a good experience. And, and from there, I, I worked my way up and into, um, really running some showrooms by myself for some East Coast, on the East Coast for some West Coast designers um, and having the opportunity to really um, start from the ground up with one young designer who was based in LA and you know, gave me uh, the opportunity to work together and, and build a showroom in New York and um, do some private label um, for little black dresses. So that was really fun. And then what went on and where was your personal life at this point? My personal life was uh, definitely in the city. I was young in my 20s, uh, living the life in the city, uh, dressing and, and wearing my shoes. And just, I always say my stories like Sex in the City and now I'm Carrie Bradshaw. And I, I made the best of, of a really fun time in my life. Um, and then, you know, I certainly paid my dues and I worked my way uh, throughout the industry um, to really then hit a, hit a crossroad where I said, okay, is, is this, what do I want to do for the rest of my life? Do I want to live in New York City for the rest of my life? What do I want to do? Where do I want to be? And, and that's when I started uh, thinking a lot about my future. Um, and I decided to move out of the city. I kept my job, of course, um, but I commuted. And I moved back home and um, to New Jersey because I, I just had a little bit of enough of the city. So I, I, I remained uh, right outside, still here in New Jersey. And then what was your transformation or transition? 
Well, it takes one bump in the road for you to have to take a, have, have to really take a good look at yourself and say, is this what I want? So I had, I had an opportunity where um, I was fired and I said, okay, Linda, this is, this is your message. This is the time to say, let's regroup and figure out what you want to do. And I had explored, you know, a lot of thoughts in my mind about changing careers at a hundred percent capacity. And I said, you know what, I do want to stay connected to the fashion industry. Uh, that's where my roots are. But, you know, what can I do um, with this? So I basically researched colleges. I thought maybe I wanted to go into higher education and, and teach fashion students. So I, I researched a lot of uh, schools and the, the college where I currently work now, Berkeley College, had a phenomenal fashion program. And they happened to have an opening, not in education, not in teaching, but in their admissions and recruitment department. And what I found really um, comforting was the the skills that they listed for the job requirement were very similar to the type of um, business skills that I had gathered and gained in my experience. So I went on the interview, I had nothing else to lose. And uh, lo and behold, I was offered the job. And I, ooh, sorry. I was super uh, excited to be able to say that I was joining an institution that I had known about and I wanted to join it with other fashion students in mind. So um, that's, that's how I began here at Berkeley College. So what were the skills that were translatable? Because that's something that we're trying to get everybody to understand, yeah. that you don't look for a job, you look for a place that will make use of your abilities and talents, where you've kind of got to distill mm -hmm. what your talents are and your abilities are, and that's how you apply them to something new. Sure. What were, what were those specifically that you felt translated? Well, first off, um, you know, I would say from a business standpoint, uh, sales and managerial skills. Um, I was fully responsible in so many different aspects of, of managing a budget, of managing goals for a business. Um, you know, in fashion, it, it's a numbers game as well and, and everywhere. And in order for uh, you to meet the bottom line for fisc being fiscally responsible and fiscally successful in a business, you have to have that mindset. So um, I was able to bring those skills of knowing that I had a budget to work within. And uh, in higher education, you know, we, we certainly, we have a budget in higher education. Um, so we, we know what target we want to get to um, in order to, to be successful and to have the services to pro provide to the students. But more importantly, it was also people skills and managerial skills. And I managed people. And this position that I had applied for was to be the team leader and the director to manage people. And I am extremely um, well, I have a great ability to multitask and in management and leadership, you have to be able to multitask. So those were the transferable skills, the mindset of the business and, and being goal driven and as well as the people skills and the motivational skills. And, and, and it let, led me to great success and opportunities for growth. So explain what it is you do now. Explain okay. a little bit about Berkeley, what it does, and what you do specifically. Sure. So um, Berkeley College is a um, four-year degree granting institution. We are career focused. And I was brought in to work with all majors, not only fashion, of course, um, but all majors to, to assist students who want to pursue their career. Our focus here at Berkeley College is very career driven. And we are um, very hands-on when it comes to the technical training that students will need for preparation to pursue the degrees and the career paths that they wish. 
um, after seven successful years of working in admissions and enrollment management, I was given the opportunity to join as a COO, a campus operating officer for the largest New Jersey campus, which is where I'm housed now. And in 2010, um, I came here to be the COO of Woodland Park. And this in and of, self, in and of itself, excuse me, is um, really re responsible for an entire campus operation functioning from um, the operations, the logistics, to um, making sure the, ser the student services are exactly what their expectations have um, been expecting as they apply to Berkeley College, and really leading the staff and motivating the staff to be successful here to service the students. Um, I am fully um, entrenched in community service as well. Uh, I'm an ambassador to Berkeley College in my role, and I serve um, outside in the community, building relations. Uh, we have, a, we have an, a, a market, a demographic of students here who are career changers like myself. So when you network and you meet with other people of like mind, it's comforting to say, you know what, come back to college if you're interested because we have people like you. So externally, I do a lot of external relations building um, with small businesses to encourage their employees to come to college to enhance their skill sets. So it's a lot of networking. Um, it certainly is a leadership position. And um, it's, of course, servicing the students who are first and foremost. What were the barriers to switching? Well, first of all, I had to get out of my own way. Um, I wasn't even sure if I knew what I would, how or what I wanted to do when I was moved into higher ed, except I knew I wanted to work with fashion students. But I let myself understand that now I'm joining um, a community of changing people's lives and allowing people like myself who had the opportunity to, to go to high, on to higher education and I said, no better way than you know, giving it back by encouraging these people to graduate and pursue careers and also know that they can come back if they wish to change their career like I did. And it's something that I, I speak to about with many of my students. And I definitely was able to transition with my fashion expertise by working with those that are in the fashion majors. And what do you see are the biggest barriers out there? And, and are you a, is Berkeley a live college or is it gone now part live and part virtual or where are you with what's happening with the pandemic? I'm very involved in the, um, the reopening plan. They had, um, we put together a robust reopen plan that uh, was launched for our medical students who were required to take clinicals, um, but due to the pandemic, they couldn't go out. Um, so we actually had an opportunity to bring them on site in July. And from there, I worked on a COVID task force, which um, was with a bunch of my colleagues, making sure that this campus and all our campuses were COVID ready. So we had, a, we had an advantage because we were here in June getting it set up and COVID ready. And we are way ahead of our time, I would say, um, with that preparedness. So where we are today is... Um, on September 8th, we began our fall semester and we are doing a hybrid model of classes. And that means that the students do have the opportunity to stay remote if they wish, but the instructors do have the opportunity to um, bring the students in at a, at a very small capacity, about a one third capacity um, in the classroom. And it's not every week, it could be every other week or every two weeks, and that's fully up to the instructors. 
But my role here is to ensure that we are COVID ready, we are COVID protected, and our students feel safe as well as our employees and our faculty. And what do you see, because you're seeing both sides of it. You're seeing reinvention from your point of view. You're seeing reinvention, obviously, it sounds like from a lot of your stu students' point of views. Yeah. What do you, going forward, what do you see the opportunities are for people over 40, women in particular, if they want to be reinventing? Have you changed your perspective on what that might be or where to look or what what reinvention is going to look like post-pandemic? Yes. Um, well, first, I have to say that I was furloughed. So I had to take that into consideration for myself because you're, there is no guarantee. And I love my job at Berkeley, and I'm going on 20 years here. Um, but it happened, and I was not um, doing anything but preparing myself for what's next. So I want to say that this might have been my second pivot, um, but I had the opportunity to come back. So um, the barriers that I would share with other people is, you know, always prepare yourself for what's next because you can never be too confident and too sure that um, a, a job will, will last forever. And the pandemic is, is an example to so many people um, who, who weren't asked back or don't have their jobs back. I was fortunate and I'm grateful but I spent my downtime finding out what I could do, how I wanted to prepare myself should I come back to my role. And I feel very ready for, uh, for this. In fact, the opportunity with, this, with speaking with you, Leslie, came from a time when I was furloughed because I said I want to network and I want to get out there. And by being on LinkedIn and meeting people, that's the way you, you can expand your horizons and you, you get over the bumps and the obstacles is you have to grow your network. And today, in today's world, it is virtual and it is online. So people have to get comfortable with that. I always tell people the cliche is get comfortable with the uncomfortable, but then you get past it and it, it's, it's normal. What do you think are the specific obstacles that women 40 plus are gonna face in this post-COVID work world? What are you seeing specifically? Because I am hearing that women are staying more likely to bail out and stay home with the kids, that the husbands are not doing it equally. And, um, you know, that's a big concern. But it what do you big, see? It is a big concern. And, and I, joined an, I joined a network of women um, to that point while I was out on furlough. And it was comforting to know that um, you're not in it alone. There are women out there that are feeling the same and you need a, an accountability partner and you need a coach and you need a friend who's going to remind you that you can do it. If you've done it once, you can do it again. You know, you can't let a pandemic um, stop you from needing a career and needing a job and working through it with your, your family and your loved ones. And, you know, I am, the, I am a caregiver with my sisters of, of my mother, and that is a huge responsibility, but I still have a job. So my, my focus was to meet with other women, and we were building each other up. And it's a network that even though I'm back at work, I'm still heavily involved in. And there's so many out there. And I, I always would recommend to women to find the niche of people that you feel connected to and that have like similar similar interests, similar work experience, similar um, hobbies. And that's where you're going to connect with these people on a both professional and a personal basis. I have, you know, women that I've connected with over the past three months during uh, my 
furlough and now I'm back at work and I'm still in touch with them and they're still perhaps, you know, either exploring their paths, but it's having another connection and having another friend. And I think the barrier that many women um, are afraid to get over is allowing themselves to be a little vulnerable because not, you're, you're not alone and allow yourself to be vulnerable because you will meet like people and you'll build each other up and there is light at the end of the tunnel. What do you see from the kids coming back? Do you see a change or your students? Do you see a change in what they're looking for, what they're thinking about, what they believe the world is going to look like going forward? I have to say that um, both the students and the faculty have been eager to come back. They, um, they want to have that social interaction and that people interaction. I think people are really ready to get out of their homes and while we're bringing people back on a small scale, it's that it's that one-on-one -on -one interaction that people are craving. And you know, right before I got on this call with you, I'm on my campus today, and I'm outside. It's a beautiful day, and I'm greeting students with my mask, and they're walking up with their masks. You know, we've done a great job prepping them via social media and email, and they're it's it's almost like it's 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 second nature. I mean, I'm not saying this is this is where we want to be wearing masks, but they're certainly prepared and, and I know we did a good job, but I think, um, you know, they're ready for it to end, but it, it, it is what it is and they're living in the moment today and their focus is coming back to college and pursuing the careers that they're looking for. So that's their focus. Where do women like us go to find those support groups and where do they, where do you go to find that group of people? Because I, th I think there is a big problem. I mean, one of the reasons why I created the Covey Club was women aren't honest with each other. They right. want to pretend like their life is perfect. They want to pretend they live a Facebook life. They want to pretend they're not honest. And um, I wonder if you're feeling isolated, if the listener's feeling isolated, feeling that the people around her are not being so honest. I mean, other than coming to Covey Club, where do, where do you find, how did you find your group of people while you were on furlough? Um, I lived on LinkedIn like it was a full-time job, Leslie, and I learned how to navigate that business world um, quickly. And I came upon some, I actually, Covey Club is something that is extremely it's it's exactly what women today need and there are so many out there you just have to be able to read read about the organization and and you need to do your research and you need to see who's who formed it and why um you know there's the organizations that are are formed by people within different business niches um you know and they have webinars and i spent my entire time on webinars I mean, I was home, so I treated my furlough like I, what's what's next for me? And I joined every Zoom and every webinar and every breakout room I could, and I just did my research. And there were some that I chose not to join, of course, because it wasn't the niche I was looking for. But I, I found my niches by doing the research and relating to the people that were members of these networks and that were members of these LinkedIn groups and picked and choose, and, and I narrowed it down to you know, a, a, a few, um, but that's all I needed to keep myself motivated and accountable. In fact, the one organization that I, that I did get involved with had a course, um, and we were a cohort of eight women, and we had accountability partners, and it was about rebranding yourself and building your confidence 
and how to manage multiple priorities. And nothing that's earth shattering new, but just to regroup in the mindset that you're in when you're sitting at home worried about what's happening. So I found it extremely um, healthy and extremely rewarding for myself. And, and for others, I think that they have to dedicate the time. It's not gonna come to them. They've got to put in the time to research what they want to get out of these groups. Yeah, you definitely have to go find it. It's hard. Um, that's for sure. I totally understand that. So if people want to do what you did, Linda, what would you give them as, you know, the one, two, three steps? If you were telling someone like me, a girlfriend, um, this is how you switch, because this is really a what this podcast is about. It's about the how-to, not just the inspiration, but the how-to. Um, and especially when you're, you know, you were lucky that after the furlough, you're brought back. But what are the, what are the steps toward making sure, A, you can make that initial transition, and then B, after coming back, you know, where we've all been furloughed, you know, right. how do you make sure that, you know, it's, Obviously, it is going to be a little bit of a roll of the dice, right? But how do you make sure that you're, you know, in the, on the better side of that if you have any control at all? Well, you can control your own destiny. So um, believing in yourself, believing what your skill sets are, believing that you have, you know, worth. I, I, I have to show my worth to, to myself in order to make it happen for my, my path. And I think that's what women need to do. They need to take it seriously and not, and not say, woe is me per se, but say, okay, what am I going to do and how am I going to do it? I made a vision board, Leslie. I sat there with my laptop and I had sticky notes in front of me and I, I made it my job to empower myself once again and not let myself get down. And I highly recommend that women do that and they, they, they visualize what they want, write it down write what your skill sets are, write what your strengths are, redo your resume over and over again to make sure it is exactly the way you wanna be perceived. And that's what rebranding yourself is about. I rebranded myself because I wanted to be prepared for what's next. I didn't rebrand myself to change my career path per se, but I rebranded myself to say, okay, I'm gonna be stronger from this furlough. I'm gonna come back and I'm going to meet with women who may need this type of advice. And I, I really think that women need to build each other up that way and say, yes, we're all in this together. And it, this too, you will get through, but focus on your priorities and focus on what you want to do first. Any other words of wisdom as we close out here towards the end? Well, Anything else you want to say to our listeners? I just want to really encourage women to, to allow yourself to welcome other women into your life and learn from everybody. I, I am the biggest proponent of allowing people to be vulnerable, as I have mentioned, um, to the point where you can learn and grow from it and then be strong enough to help somebody else through that journey because not everybody's confident and not everybody has that ability to be strong enough. But when you do get there and when you do build yourself up, somebody else needs that from you. And that's what this is about. It's about passing it, paying it forward, passing your strength along and knowing that you're going to help others. 
And I see mostly, I guess I've been pretty lucky. I've seen mostly, not always, not 100%, women do that. But a lot of women talk to me about not seeing that. Mm -hmm. How do you deal with when you don't see that, when you see women not supporting each other? And do you even see that? What's, what's the percentage ratio of what you think you see? I think it's very high percentage that women do support each other. I think that the reason why women may not support each other could be a little bit of jealousy. And, you know, maybe it's they see it as, well, if she's doing it, why can't I? So instead of looking at it from the negative standpoint, look at it from an opportunity and, you know, get to know somebody so that you can support them and say, oh, wow, I'm flattered by what you do. I'd like to learn from you. Be a mentor to somebody. I mean, I do that here with my students. They need mentors. People need mentors. And you need that connection. So, you know, forget about the competition and forget about the, the jealousy because that, that, those days have to be over. You need to support each other to build each other up to then say, wow, you know, I feel so much stronger because I know I'm surrounded by other people like me who want to be successful. Great. Well, Linda, thank you for your time. And everybody will want to listen and, and find out how you made that great transition because that's a really interesting transition, especially right now. A lot of people coming out of fashion having to figure out what they're going to do next. So thank you so much. I appreciate your time. Well, thank you for having me, Leslie. It was a pleasure. I hope I changed somebody's life at least you one person. You probably did. That's what's so much fun about what we do. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. So I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Linda. And if you did, I hope that you will subscribe to Reinvent Yourself, the podcast. We want to bring in as many people as possible. So if you will give us a good star rating and give, leave us a review, that's helpful as well. That moves us up the algorithm so people can find us. If you will turn your friends who need help um, with reinvention onto the podcast that's great too because that's our whole goal is to help everybody we can and then also come on over to coveyclub.com come see what we're doing we are running four to five webinars every week now um, and we are doing everything from diy beauty to LinkedIn to how to rewrite your resume today um, from business to personal things. We have a fabulous new book club that we just started and there is just so much that we are doing to try to connect women 40 plus and to create a community online and then when we can all connect again live we'll start having events and I hope that will be in 2021. We have tons of really fabulous events in the percolation stage. And that's the magic of this age. The time we live in is so great to be over 40. And it's so great to have the technology where we can all start to meet together, support each other, even if it's virtual for now. Eventually it will be live and we're really excited about this fall. So come join us. It's CoveyClub.com and join the Covey Connect app and start meeting women who are like-minded, just like you, who believe that they are lifelong learners and the best is yet to come. Thank you.